Welcome to Fruiting Body Podcast with your host, Brendan. And today we have an absolute legend of a guest. This is Frank Hickman, the head MMA coach. No, I'm joking. He told me to say that. Uh, he's a co-founder of Bangtao Muay Thai and MMA. It's located on the Phuket, on Phuket Island in the area of Bangtao. Uh, they recently were, well, maybe six, seven months ago over at Tiger and Chaolong, and they've come over to, come up over to Bangtao and built a miraculous gym. You have to check it out. So we're going to shill the shit out of that on this podcast. Uh, without further ado, we're going to get this started as we always do with our guests. We're going to tell the story of Frank and his journey without that hippy-dippy bullshit. How he got here, what he's doing, and what's next for all right frank thanks Cheers, a lot brother. thank you for the introduction yeah it's i don't know to be here i just well you said uh say that and then it was in my brain um you threw me under the bus but go on yeah yeah well, well <laughs> you started it you shouldn't have put that in my head um so let's get started right away let's dive into frank hickman where are you from how did you get here what's your story um <clears throat> from castle Hayne, north carolina which is the east coast of the USA. Um, came here when I was 27, I believe, in May of 2017. So about 20 years? Nah, fuck that. That was five, just over five years ago. It's five years this past May. So I was living in Atlanta, Georgia, selling cars, working for Hendrick Automotive, and uh, my brother had been over here for right at two years. And yeah, it was just time to make the move. Um, he kind of sold me the dream, and I took it. Um, the plan was to come over, um, run the wrestling at Tiger, uh, and he would do the MMA. Yeah, and we would. Yeah, you, you guys. So George, when he was on the podcast with Woody, um, he was initially saying he was, you know, over at Tiger Muay Thai, and and you came over as well. But yes. a little bit of a background story on yourself in terms of like the wrestling side. Can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, just we both grew up wrestling, so I wrestled my whole life. Um, high school went to was fortunate to go wrestle in college. Went to a school in Pennsylvania. Here, I think just tilted up a bit. Williamsburg University just up and how's yep. that? Sounds that's better. good. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. It's good for you, friends. That's the best part about a podcast. We're not. We can just adjust and do it everywhere. And and if, when you want the water, just grab it. Don't Cheers. Yeah. And then you just cut it out. Eh? No, no. There's no cutting. It's it's oh, just one fucking, take. Yeah, one yeah, take, baby. Serious. We're not cutting anything. So yeah, wrestled. Um, Wrestled in college for five years, did the five-year plan, um, and then coached for a year at Appalachian State, which is a, a school in Boone, North Carolina, in the mountains, so opposite of where I'm from. I'm from the beachy area, country. This was actually, like, really in the, the mountains in the country, so beautiful place. Then I made my way down to Atlanta, Georgia, after graduation, and then did that for two, did that for three years, selling cars, finance, learned that side of the world, credit. Um, mm -hmm. Money, business, everything like that. I uh, was at that when you're young like that, and it's a fa it's a fast type of life, fast pace. It's enjoyable. It's fun, um, but you know you miss the sport. You miss being around it. Um, so again, doing wrestling for MMA has kept me close to the sport of wrestling. It's just given me a different avenue on how to stay close to it. Did you lose touch with it in the sense, like obviously you're in shape now, you're athletic. I, I lost, I wouldn't say I lost touch with it. There was a couple of high school kids I still trained, like in the weekends, like on a Sunday morning or sometimes like I'd go in early before work. But yeah, not as much as I'd wanted to. Because um, again, the car business is, is, is busy, it's a lot of hours. So, you know, when you add all that up, that being said, I still was able to get around to it, but not. I did lose a bit of touch from it. So, you know, coming over again, like I said, it just, it was a different avenue in the wrestling world through 
sport mm-hmm. of MMA. So were, were you quite high at like D one, D two? It was a D- Division one school, yeah. Um, not that big of a school though. Probably twelve thousand students. Like not like you would see like a Ohio State, some shit like that. Not massive. How does that competition like? How does that work <clears throat> for like D one NCAA wrestling in terms of tournaments? Like even your school is yeah. able to compete with the like the yes. elite elite. So you're everybody's in a conference. Ours was the, at the time EWL, which is the Eastern Wrestling League which has now folded and gone to the MAC, which is the Mid-Atlantic Conference. But it was like us, West Virginia, Pitt, uh, Lock Haven, Clarence, Edinburgh, a couple other schools. And then you have your conference, and then you have, obviously, when you get to the national tournament, there's every weight class, there's 10 weight classes. Every weight class has 33 guys in it. And top eight is All-American. And then it's double elimination. So it's, uh, it's in March. It's a three-day tournament. So basically your whole year... Competition preseason starts September, August, late August. Competition November, all the way up through the end of March. That's your season. So it's it's through the fall, through the winter, comes into the spring, like finishes up at the spring. So, so when you're you're wrestling to get into those tournaments, or do you have to pretty much go undefeated to be able nah, to compete? You don't have to go undefeated, but they have a, a ranking system. They have a system. They have your um, ranking per like individual. Right. Mm. Every. If you're an individual, if you're ranked in the top, however it is, at the national tournament, it's 33 guys. They used to only seed like 1 through 16. Now they seed everybody. But throughout the year, when you compete, there's a system like your record. Uh, guys, the ranked guys you have beat. Who have they beaten? Who have you lost to? Maybe he was a, uh, like a Division two, Division three guy that could kind of. So they go about it at a ranking system. And then before every conference tournament, there's probably – Seven, eight conferences. Um, could be off by one or two. But what they do is they give you the number of automatic qualifiers before the conference tournament. So out of the ten weights, the Big Ten's, the, uh, that's the toughest conference, you know, like Ohio State, Iowa, et cetera, Michigan. At one weight class, they could have eight qualifiers. They could have seven qualifiers, nine qualifiers. Smaller schools – Smaller conferences, you may have to win the conference to go to the national tournament. It just depends. Or they may take top two, top three. But those bigger schools, those bigger conferences, you see, like, they have, like... They're putting more names through. You can use... Yeah, yeah. yeah. You can lose three matches in a row and still make it. Like, it's, it's, it's pretty... It's a gift and a curse, I guess you could say. But the smaller schools, a lot of the weight classes, like, you know, 125, 130... The first three, maybe only the champs. That's it. And then they have a couple... They have... Six, five or six at-large bids in each weight class, which means like a wild card. Okay, here's the automatic. The last six, they put them in the system. Boom, here's your top. Here's your next six that, that make it through. <clears throat> and then every weight has uh, weight class has 10, uh, excuse me, 33 guys. So, And when you go to these conferences, what do you mean by double elimination? So if you lose two... You're out. You're out. Okay. Right. So if you lose two, you're at out. any point in time, or at, is at it any like point, like in the, in the national tournament, if you make it to the semis, you can lose three matches in a row. You're still going to be guaranteed six. But like some of those other, if you lose first round, you got to win like five in a row just to place. So a lot of times, like one and two, two and two. Some guys get all the way. They go three and two, and then you know, but some guys go six and three, but they've made it to the point to where if they lose, they just drop down one. So you know, man, it's a it's a stressful, it's a stressful tournament. Um, it's a great tournament. I think it's a three. It's the best three-day tournament in the world. Um, but you just see, it's just filled with emotions, man. It's just highs, it's lows. It's 
it's glamour, not like glamour, but like it's just like the underdog stories. You see, you see the big upsets. You see all similar kinds like of, basketball March Madness. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. absolutely, just a different like platform. Yeah. You know, this these are like two guys like scrapping it out. Like, How was it for like uh, any type of like USADA steroid testing? Is that really well enforced in that type of, of course. Division? When you yeah. when you get every year at the at the national tournament, there's two random at each weight class. So out of the ten weights, there's two random guys that get pulled. That once you're done competing, whether you make the all, whether you all American or not, you have to go in the back room. You have to piss. You have to test. That happened to me my junior year. I lost. Come off the mat, and they were like, "Hey." Um, my trainer was like, um, it's not USADA, it's it's somebody else. They're like, NCAA wants to, yeah. you've been randomly selected. Uh, okay, sweet. You on the back, you wait till you got to pee. Boom. But, and then um, my junior year also, randomly I was tested at the beginning. So they they, they do they do test the athletes. Um, they test for performance enhancing. They test for all that type of stuff. Um, so it's not USADA, but in NCAA they do. They do test people. A lot of them like, oh, they don't test. They test. And were you, were you doing, how well did you do in those tournaments? Did you go to a, a high level? I mean, um, again, it's, I understand it's crazy yeah, competitive. My sophomore year, I uh, made the round of 16. I went two and two. Junior year, I made the round of 12. Went two and two. My senior year, I went one and two. So, um, as you can see, like, it's not always guaranteed. You know, that's the crazy thing with sport MMA as well. Like, nothing's. Just because you do it's, this, it's one not year. so black and white. It's, it's a not bit like subjective. It's always going to be like this. Mm. Like it's always going to be. It's always different, you know. Hills so, and valleys, and yeah, sense. yes. But <clears throat> again, man, you you learn a lot. You travel. You compete with your boys. Like it's um, it's always in a different state. Like one year it was in Philly, awesome. One year it was in St. Louis. One year it was in Iowa City. Iowa was a bit shit because it was windy and really cold and snowy. But you know, some of those cities, man, it's just, it's awesome. Like. The one year they had it in Madison Square Garden. Bro, imagine being in the college and, like, wrestling in the national tournament in Madison Square Garden. That's insane, you know? Yeah, that's a lot of pressure as well, <laughs> especially being in those, like, historic arenas. Um, I'm sure for some people, yeah, it is It is a lot of pressure. But some people, like, fucking thrive in that environment, mm-hmm. you know? Some people, like, rise to the occasion. So it's – uh, but that, again, that's, like, that's college athletics in general. That's the beauty of the U.S., like mm-hmm. – Football, basketball, wrestling, baseball, soccer. They have golf. They have fishing. They have, like, team roping, like, cattle. Man, they have all kinds of stuff where you can, like, get a scholarship and, like, play and compete while getting an education in college. I think it's awesome, man. I think sports, like, when they had the COVID was around and there was no sports, man, it was a really boring time in my life. Well, UFC is the only thing that stayed alive, right? UFC was the only thing that stayed alive. There was no basketball for no, me to watch nothing. which i'm like right there's no for you hockey like for me there yeah. was college football like i love that shit and there was nothing that on so yeah. you know you take sports away it's a boring place yeah i hear um, you on that when you're training in college i mean how can you talk a little bit about the weight cuts and like how that affected you yeah. i was shit at cutting weight if i'm being honest with you i wasn't very good george was good uh, at the weight cut i wasn't but yeah man <clears throat> I guess if you if you get this when you get the spot for your weight class, like you have nine other guys and the coaches like depending on you to make weight. I've seen really good weight cuts. I've seen really bad weight cuts. Same thing in MMA. I've seen really good ones. I've seen really bad ones. A lot of it is like being disciplined, like having a strict regiment, sticking to your routine. You may have to eat dinner after practice. After practice, you'll have practice. You eat dinner. 
you'll rest for an hour, hour and a half, and you may have to go cut weight. Like, go ride the air down up in the where the pool area is, where it's humid. Like, get on it for 45 minutes. Like, we used to have to do shit like that. Like, <clears throat> I had a buddy who would throw on plastics and shovel snow. Holy shit. He would sit out, he would go outside for an hour, hour and a half, and he'd shovel snow with, like, sweats on, and he'd be sweating his ass off. But, like, everybody, I had a buddy who would hoop. He would, go, he would go over and play basketball with the plastics on, like, he would be hooping. Were you cutting a lot of weight at the, I mean. I mean, it's just all water weight, yeah, but it's, again, you're just getting, you're getting weight off, yeah, you're getting weight off. <clears throat> you know, um, yeah, just depends on who it is. Some people are good at it, some people aren't. I've seen people cut 12 pounds within two, two hours less than that, and then I've seen some people struggle <clears throat> to cut weight, so. Do you think they'll change this? Like, obviously, you're aware of what one's doing and how yeah. that's a bit more, you know, they're testing your, your urine. and yep. um, Do you see that changing in NCAA and maybe UFC or this, this type of sport? I think weight cutting will always be around the sport. Um, Why is that? Because I, this is my perspective, I think that as human beings, if you think it can give you an advantage... Sometimes they're going to, like, try it. And I'm just talking about the weight cut. Yeah. So people thinking, oh, I'm going to go down in weight, cut all this weight, cut 30 pounds over, you know, 8 eight to 12 weeks, whatever, weigh in, then I'm going to put most of that back on, so I'm going to be big. That's what people think, oh, I'm going to be big. Like, but then one comes out and they kind of kill that. So why can't, why can't these, you know, NCAA, NCAA, UFC, why can't they adopt those like protocols and procedures? They do. The, the NCAA has, um, hydration level. They have hydration tests. Okay. At the beginning of every year you get certified. You have to be hydrated and certified for the weight. So my freshman year, my freshman year, I was at 141. So I had to get down to like 146. From where? Uh, six, Probably 62, 162. So I got down to like 145 to certify so I could make 141. A kid on my team who wrestled 165 could get down to 195 to certify for that because he had so much body fat. Like everybody's body type is different. So, but you have to be hydrated, have passed the hydration test, and pass the, 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 the skin test to see how low you can go. So if they do me and they go, oh, yeah, you're good, you can make 141, you can do 140.8. Oh, perfect. But you're not hydrated. You got to come back tomorrow and try again. Mm -hmm. So then I got to get hydrated to come back. So I got to make sure my piss is clear. I'm hydrated, and I'm at the and I'm in a weight class where they they calibrate me over the week span because it's only a pound and a half a week. That's health. That's the healthy option. They what did you said? Skin test. What do you mean by that? They they, get, they they calibrate. They do the skin like they calibrate you. They do your arms. They wrap it. They do this. They put all the system percentages in, and then it gives you they like input like a number like a weight class. Okay, I want to certify 141. Frank, you're 143 and something. All right, I got to come back. Got to lose a bit or train or whatever. Come back in and do, redo it again. So that's what they do. But I, I just, I think for the NCAA, like, I don't know, man. There's just, they, they go about it the right way, I feel like. You know, one does it different. One yep. basically says, <coughs> excuse me, one basically says, hey, I'm going to give you 10 pounds. Like, yeah, but they're just going to go down. The next week, like, if that makes sense, you know Yeah, what I they'll mean? just like, change the weight class. Right, of course. So yeah. I, I guess it's however you view it, whatever your perspective is. Um, is that why they, you think they have the atom weight? For one. For women, yeah. For one, yeah. Um, could be, or they could just want to be different. You know, yeah. that, I think it's pretty smart. Yeah. I think um, there's a lot of good atom weights out there. Yeah. <laughs> there, there really is. There's, there's a lot of good atom weights, like in Asia, 
that fight that I think would be pretty damn good, whether it be one championship or if the UFC ever put in an atom weight for, for girls. Man, there's some, some very talented. I wonder if they will. I, I doubt it. I'm not sure. It's They're a, taking it's away the 145 weight class. Well, they have to. There's nobody there, right? Yeah, so maybe they'll add. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, let, let's jump forward. Um, and, and that was more interesting. A lot of people, sure. they, they hear about the weight cuts, but it's, you know, it's very high level. It's not, okay, what actually is going on there? Um, jumping forward, so George was over at Tiger Muay Thai, and he kind of brought you over here as well. Let's talk about the detail of that process. You get the call. George is trying to push you to come here. The initial conversation, how long did it actually take for him to convince you, and when did you get on that flight? Just about over, just under two years it convinced me. I think it was. Just under. That's, yeah, it, yeah, it took a bit. It was something I was like headstrong on, and then it fizzled. Mm. And I remember being in Atlanta with two of my buddies, um, and I told him, I was like, you know, boys, I'm going to make this move. This was like in August. And then I went home in January to see my mom for her birthday just to like kind of surprise her. Um, and I just chatted to my dad. He gives great advice. And I said, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm thinking. And he was like, yeah, like if, if that's what you want to do. Also, I'm very fortunate. We're both very fortunate that we have two parents that support us at whatever we do. Coaching college wrestling, selling cars in Atlanta, moving to Thailand. Like they were for it. They were all for it. You know, I was going to move back at one point to try to sell roofs with my boy. He was like, yeah, okay, you know, I'll support it. Like he, so we're very fortunate for that. Um, and he, he kind of said, yeah, if that's something. And then things started to fall in line. Um, this was in January. My lease was up in May, beginning of May. I had a roommate who was moving back home. What year are we uh, talking? 2017. Okay. I had a roommate that was moving back home. Two of my roommates dated each other, right? So they got their own spot. And then my other roommate found somebody as well. So... I was like, all right, put my car on Craigslist. It sold, like, within, like, three weeks. So then I was, I had a, a, a guy that sold cars for me. I was a, a finance manager. So I had a guy who would pull the car around for me every night, like, sneak it. Or he would get me a key out of key track. And I worked in a Mini Cooper dealership, and I would take home the Mini every night because I didn't have a car. Like, I sold it. Yeah. So <clears throat> that was, like, looking back on it now, it's like, oh, man. Like, it was getting serious. It was getting real. And then I was going to tell my boss. He found out. He, like, kind of flipped his shit on me because he was a um, – he's known me since I was real young, like, one of my first coaches. So we had a different relationship. Like, he was my boy. Um, he did always did good by me. And uh, George had left him already. And then now, hindsight, two years later, like, I was doing the same move. So uh, – but we, like, kind of talked it out and uh, finished the month out for him. And then said April, I did some traveling, went to a buddy's wedding, saw my grandparents in Florida. Uh, visited some a couple other spots and then yeah jumped on a plane May fifth uh, landed. You when you landed here, did you kind of have like the job already set up? Now, no, so the first three four months I worked for free. Okay, I just taught the wrestling twice a week. Helped George. I worked for free. Just had to like just get stuck right into it. Jump right into it. No MMA like really experience. Got choked out several times. Like you know, but. That was, I had to just, I learned through trial and error. Like, I just kind of forced. But you, you were prepping to be a coach to work there. Or was it, were you training? Or nah, were you training? I was, I was jumping. I was just running the wrestling. Okay. But I was like also sparring the boys a bit, like trying to, like, I could never throw my hands before. I would just panic shoot. Sometimes yeah. it worked, sometimes it didn't. But, yeah. you know, that's, you, you got to learn somehow. And that's what I did. Um, I was very fortunate, you know, nothing but good things to say about Tiger. Um, I'm fortunate they gave us the facilities, the athletes to work with. Um, but 
that's behind us. It was time for us to kind of do our own thing. It had been something that had been in the works for a bit. COVID slowed a lot of it down, but it also, like, opened our, our minds up to, hey, maybe this is the right time, the right opportunity to, to go out on our own. It's no hard feelings, but, like, at some point you want to do things on your own. Yeah, and COVID, I think, kicked everyone's ass to make them put it in gear. And it's more or less, like you said, yeah, like you didn't have sports to watch. And same, same for me. There, yeah. there was those, those things that kept us busy. They weren't there <laughs> anymore. And, uh, you know, the mind runs free. And, and hence, and we built a podcast yeah, studio. And, and, and it kind of put things like in perspective. You also saw some shit that you didn't agree with. So you're like, all right, you know, let a couple of things slide. But, um, again, nothing but good things to say. I'm fortunate that we have the backing that we have, you know, the people around us to, to have Bangtow. Um, and again, we've only been open since April, but you know, Jim's getting busier, yep. you know, just trying to build the right culture. Um, you know, we want to have the right people around us. Yeah, we had, so we, we had George and Woody on, I'm going to guess all, almost two months ago. And you should check that podcast out. This one is oh, real. You know, maybe don't check that out. No, it's, it's really more about, the evolution of MMA in Phuket and that transition of opening up the gym of Bangtao Muay Thai and MMA. Actually, it's before your grand opening. Yes. Um, so let's take it from that point. Bangtao Muay Thai and MMA since the grand opening. How have things been going? Talk about it. It's been going well, man. Um, I was, I got back and jumped into it. I was here for about five months, five weeks. Excuse me. We had the grand opening. Amazing turnout. Massive amount of people came through, showed support and showed love. So we appreciate that. And since then, we've just trying to, like, just keep the ball rolling. Um, just keep the energy high. Just keep the spirits up. Keep the classes, you know, busier, pumping. You know, obviously networking and marketing, et cetera. We got our cafe ringside. It's that got tremendous food, healthy options. So that's going good as well. And, um, yeah, man, I it's, it's, it's nice to have your own spot to build like I talked about, to do things how we want to go about doing things. Yeah, I mean, it's, and I spoke about this on the, the one with your, your brother and Woody as well, and I said, yeah, if you're coming to train on the island, I mean, why would you want to be in Rao Wai, Nihar, and Shaolong? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. No, and even even George and, and Woody, when they came up here, I guess they're maybe a bit stubborn until they got here, and they're like, yeah. what the fuck have we been doing down there for? I think I was up here twice before we, before they, um, I think I was up here twice. I left. I was in the States for like a year. For like 13 months, I was gone. In oh, the, yeah. yeah, in the States. So when I got back, the gym was open. It was, it was a week before the grand opening. That's when I came back from the States. And I was like, fuck, boys, you've done a great job. You know, um, even though the boys didn't lift a hammer or hit a nail. But they did. You got to put the pieces in place. It's a do, lot of work. You do. Yeah. You do. I was overseas building the brand, as we call it. So I was building the brand. I got back. I saw that the Mechelet. It blew my mind. It was much surpassed any um expectations yeah. that i had had uh, so bro you can't beat the location you know no. you got bang tower to the right beach you got Serin beach to the left you have food you have shops you have just a whole area of like untapped potential it's i mean i don't want to toot your own horn nah, let's no. not do that but it's the only gym in the world in this type of location with high-level MMA, jiu-jitsu, even Muay Thai fighters. I, where, where else in the world? You don't have that. There's, it doesn't even exist. I mean, yes, Chalong, they, they have that in that area and Rao Wai, but again, you're, you're not a stone's throw to the beach. 
And I think that's that's very important because when you come to places like Phuket, uh, for example, myself, I'll come train with you guys more in like the hit classes and whatnot. But I can quickly go, you know, get the sweat off in the ocean about two seconds later. Yeah. And you don't get that in, in those areas. Yeah, it's true. You know, <clears throat> when I was in Shillong, I was driving 20 minutes to the beach. Exactly. But here, again, I can go to Seren in five, and I can go to Bangtao in less than that. So you got several options here, man. You're 20 minutes from the airport, which is... Even better. Even better. Believe it or not, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a great thing to have, man. So I'm, I'm enjoying that. Again, it's a new part of the island that we've never really been up here. I'm loving it so far. Um, well, especially like when you want to do a quick weekend getaway in Bangkok. Like sometimes my girlfriend's up there and it could be, I don't know, uh, 1 p.m. on a Friday. And I'm like, you know what? I can catch the 5 o'clock flight. Yeah. You can't really do it. The chow long, you're like, oh, shit, am I going to hit traffic? Is it raining? i got to get on the bike. It's a bit of a rush. Yeah. But, uh, no, it's a great area. And I said that to George and Woody. I'm like, fuck, I hope you don't bring too many people here because, you know, I, I, got a li- I had a little paradise up here. Yeah. And I hope it doesn't turn into, like, a Bali type of scene because it is flooding now. Now, uh, the gym itself, in terms of high-level athletes, you had Alexander Volkanovsky there at the grand opening. Yes. Zhang Wei Li was training here before her fight, and she's still here. Yuri Prohaska went, and he won the belt. Um, do you see a lot of big names coming through from the PR marketing side that you were doing over in the U.S.? Um. It's it, with our, with like the people we've met along the, the way, like the connections and stuff. Like the Yuri, Yuri came over for three weeks with his coaches. Um, great guys. They came over. That was set up through my man Tim, uh, Tim Simpson from Paradigm. Um, Tim represents Izzy and a couple of the boys, and he uh, he hooked that up for us. He teed that up, and so big shout outs to him. So that was a connection we made there. Uh, Way Lee's trainers Ty knows our guy Monster Yard. They had a they they worked together, so they had a connection. Uh, I've worked with Ty since 2017. Ty's here now, Tuivasa. He's actually the first athlete I've ever really worked with. Um, and then, of course, Volk came after his last his title defense against the Korean Zombie. Him and his head coach, Joe Lopez, brought the family out. Joe stayed two weeks. Volk stayed a week. You know, they'll probably come for another month at the end of the year. Uh, we're lucky to have them on board. Um, yeah, Volk loved it as well. We loved the area. Um, it was a no-brainer for him as far as, like, this type of area is is – Mrs. loved it. The kids loved it. So it's 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 cool to have, you know, the names and the boys coming. More will come as the year goes on. But a lot of the boys right now are busy with stuff. You know, uh, Kai Car France is fighting for the interim yep. flyweight belt, uh, July thirtieth in Dallas, Texas. Um, Blood Diamonds on the same car. Gian Kim's on the same car. Justin Taffa's on the car. Are so you going to be there for that? Uh, I will be at that one. Yes, sir. Um, I'm excited to go on that one. Dallas is, Texas is a cool place, man. Um, Dallas especially. I've been once mm. before, earlier this past year in November, a buddy's wedding. But, yeah, man, Texas is really is something cool. So I'm just excited to watch them compete, you know. Um, yeah, man, just it's always a good time when you get back around the guys and stuff like that, the team, et cetera. I believe George is going to be there as well for a week. So mm-hmm. that'll be That'll be awesome. Man. How did this relationship begin, uh, essentially, um, with guys like Adesanya? Because you were at his last fight when he fought Cannoneer. Um, how did that all initially come together? He, Izzy and all the boys, uh, Eugene, Brad. Brad used to be the kickboxing coach at Tiger um, before Rafa took over. And then he, he's from New Zealand. So, so we're, we're Brad Riddell and yes, Brad uh, Riddell. Uh, uh, Raphael Fazeev. Fazeev, yes. So they, so Brad was at 
you know, Tiger, my brother met him. My brother uh, coached him a bit for wrestling and that. And then Alex was here as well for the tryout. So Alex has been here. Kai was here before. So, but I, I didn't meet Israel until uh, his debut in Perth um, several years ago. Was, I flew there to watch the boys fight. Several of the boys were on that car. Ty, Tyson, Mark, um, Falk, and Israel. Met them. Met him there. Um, and then just kind of kept the relationship going. Um, which would see some of them at the fights, like uh, Singapore, Adelaide the one time, and then I was fortunate to, uh, Eugene had asked me if I wanted to come over before the um, Gastelum fight. So that was like the first time I was, I got to go to New Zealand, and then from there, we just kept the ball rolling. We kept everything And just rolling. to explain to everyone, it's because you're, you're going over there to kind of fine-tune his wrestling, essentially. Just... I guess fine tune, but just be just be another like a wrestling workout partner for them. Um, yeah, kind of get stuck into the training camp. There's usually several of the boys that are that are in camp, at, whether it's on the same card or it's a week before, a week after. So there's a, there's all hands on deck. It's a busy time, you know. They got the Alta, which is the Wimpster Warriors thing. They got running over there, two classes every morning. It's fucking pumping. Um, and yeah, just just give like a different perspective on the wrestling or. Help Andre, Andre Paulette, the Romanian. He's their head, he's their head wrestling coach at CKB. I kind of just give him a hand, assist him, you know, whenever I can and stuff. Because uh, he usually only can come in the evenings, so like during the, the days or the mornings, I'll kind of teach the wrestling. Yeah, it seems they're like let's say Adesanya's um, um, school kick to city kickboxing, and then. Uh, working with Alexander Vol- Volkanovsky, that whole system, it seems quite dynamic. Mm. Is that typical in the MMA world of gyms? I mean, let's say, for example, you have an American top team. Well, if you're at American top team, you're at American top team. But it seems like these guys are constantly moving around. They're not, so, they're not strictly stuck to staying in New Zealand all the time for training. Well, it's either, you, really, it's either New Zealand, Australia, because uh, Joe Lopez... Uncle Joe's the head co- is Alex's head coach at Freestyle, which is in uh, Wollongong, Australia, or it's Thailand. So it's like one of the three for the most part. But recently, weren't they more training a little bit more heavily in the U.S. up to that fight? Up to what fight? Uh, his recent fight. Nah, they just went. Oh. We just went over a little over a week early. Okay. Yeah, we had I thought, I, Carlos. I, was I thought it was one where he they stayed in the U.S. for a bit longer because they were afraid of lockdowns or something. Nah. Like that. Um, it might have been the one before then. When Carlos made it, fought on the contender series before he got in, okay, they got locked out for like six, seven weeks. That's what it was. That's okay. That's, that's what, what I was thinking. Was. Of. Yes, yes. Other than that, for the most part, they stay in Australia. The last when he fought in Houston, Whitaker, on the way back, they came to Vegas for a week, then they had to go to Australia for two weeks before they could get back in. But for the most part, man, New Zealand was pretty strict. They had to do quite a few of the two-week quarantines. Yeah, I mean, and they're vocal about that in terms of their opinion, Um, which uh, that's fair as well. Uh, That relationship when you're working as that wrestling coach, does that, like, is that, and sorry if I'm, I don't want to cross any lines. It's more of an interest as well. Like, does that relationship continue automatically into the next fights or is it kind of you're waiting for a call? Um. I mean, with the team in that, we, we try to do, like, what's best for the team. So, you know, before I was able to get over for maybe seven weeks, six weeks, seven weeks, um, and then fight week. Now it may not be that long. Now maybe only four or five weeks and then fight week. So in that term, yeah, you just you figure out what, you figure out what's next for the boys, like whether, um, whether it was Alex, whether it was Israel. Like, you know, Izzy's fighting Houston. 
I knew after that Alex was going to be fighting, you know, in Jacksonville and stuff like that. And then we came back after Jacksonville. So the coaches talk like those guys, they put their minds together. They figure out what's the best route to go, the best option. And, and we, we proceed from there. So Izzy had the recent fight, Sam and Volk- Volkanovski was on that same card. You were in the corner for both. Yes, sir. Okay. So just an interesting topic, watching Izzy come out as the undertaker, how far in advance did you know that this was going to happen and how surprised were you by, you know, this type of entrance? Um, he, he had like, he had said he was going to do it. I saw them making like the video for the entry. Man, people can say what they want. I thought that was absolutely like brilliant. I thought it was Man, it's just one of those things in sports to where, especially the UFC, you, you never see it. And he's done it three times now. This is his third one. He did it against Whitaker in Marvel Stadium. He did it against Romero. Now he's done this one. And it's just something that was like, man, this guy has like, not the, the stardom, I guess, but he has like. The it factor. The it factor, yeah. correct. And not just in fighting, but like the way he carries himself out of the cage, you know, how he gets behind his teammates, his family. But the way he was able to come out to the undertaker and stuff like that man i thought it was i thought it was you know that was like a once in a lifetime thing yeah and with vince vince mcmahon in the crowd did he even know, know vince that. was there i don't know that that's i crazy. can't answer for him i didn't know uh, that's quite the coincidence though this is the first time i've heard that you saying that so it, that makes it even cooler <laughs> yeah that a guy like vince mcmahon who's been around that business for that long was in the crowd but again you got to uh, ask him next time otherwise that's the craziest coincidence yeah like, cause but my hat's off to to Israel, man. He he pulled it off great. He he looked awesome, and people can say what they want. But I thought he had a good fight. I know it wasn't to his performance, but you know when you're at the level that Izzy's at, and he's you know um, he's been dominant, you know, and he's starting to like kind of recycle through. He's having rematches, but also there's also guys, and you know Izzy can see this stuff coming. He says, you know, hey, if Cannonier wins his next fight, he's the next guy in line. Like Izzy. Can see that stuff coming. Um, he's good with that, and to people, it's, they always think it's going to be knockouts and like. Yeah, but but I it's mean, not always. Everyone be forgets knockout. George St. Pierre did the same thing. And my opinion, like I've I've been following UFC early, early t- like 2005, 2006, and then really heavily more like 2010 plus. But when you reach a certain level. Yeah, of course you have highlight reels. You're knocking out, you know, guys that aren't really ranked, and you're going to get that. But when you get to that level that Izzy's at, and you're fighting your, you know, Romero's, and the fights are, they can be a bit dry, or Cannoneers, because the problem is it's so high level, there's no room for error. Well, yeah, that but it takes two to tango. There's no room for error, but also, like, you know, it's a strategic game. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a very strategic game, and sometimes Israel doesn't need to take risk. Like, you know what I mean? Like, why would he take a risk to put himself in a position when he's already winning the fight, you know? And I know people want to see that, but, like, that takes a lot of, like, self-control to not put yourself sometimes in those positions. It's like, you know, Eugene said, um, who's a great mind in the sport, he goes, my guys will have the, the flashy knockouts or they'll have the highlight reels, but they will also practice the art of hitting and not getting hit because they want to have a great life and be able to play with their families. Like, people forget... That in this sport, if you take too much damage, it's going to catch you in the long run, right? It's the same with boxing. But you have it in MMA. But also, the plan is still hit the person and not and take the least amount of damage. And I think Izzy and Alex do a really good job of that. They, they 
inflict the damage, but they don't take it on the receiving end. And and that that's big, man. That that's a lot. That's discipline. That's that strategy. That's um, work ethic. That's fight IQ. That, and like you said, it's a high level. That, that's that's extremely high fight IQ to be able well, to to do that and not take it. You, know? you don't want to be like look at these guys like Muhammad Ali later in yeah. their career, and I think that that's got to be a big part of it. And, and that's why I do respect guys like Khabib going out on top because. There's always going to be someone else in line. There's always going to be the next guy. Yes. Um, with that being said, the next guy is going to be uh, Pajera. Um, that's the rumor. I don't. I don't know if that's. You think that? Work. You think that would happen? Because um, I think the only two left that I personally, as a fan, you want to see would be Pajera and maybe Hamzat. But Hamzat, what happened understand. to him with Gilbert Burns? I don't think he's ready for that. I think um, Kazmat is very good what he does you can't deny it you no. can't deny the kid he's very good um Piera, that's obviously a fight that izzy wants to get back um and if if that happens next so be it if it doesn't happen next and it's somebody else i think again the ufc will make that decision the coaches will make that decision yeah it's wild. you know from their end um management will sit down and they'll come to an agreement or they'll come whether it's this guy or this guy you know again that's that's handled that's a bit Away from me. Um, I saw a post already from Izzy. He said it's already signed. It's signed. Yeah. He said that's signed. So if that's next, that, that's an interesting that's fight. I I, I I would like to see how that's all going to play out. Have I you can't. watched the first two? No. Okay. No, I have not. So I'm not I'm not going to give any opinions on those. But I was still. But it's a completely. It's a different sport now. Yeah, it is. So I, I, look, Alex Pereira is a phenomenal striker. He's a he's a how? great. Um, they're, they're, so now they're going MMA. from kickboxing to MO, MMA. MMA. It's, like, it's, how it's, can it's, you it's see that playing out? How do I see it playing out? I see Izzy getting his hand raised. Um, you know, again, they'll have a strategy for it, you know, how they go about it, how they watch film and stuff. But, again, kickboxing, is it is a different sport from MMA. You have a lot more variables involved. So when you mix all that stuff together, you know, it's in for a different – it's going to be, in my opinion, it'll be a complete 180 as far as, like, the striking part of things and everything and how it all builds up and stuff. But, again, that's a fight that – for Israel's legacy, you know, he wants that as a competitor. I know the UFC wants that because it makes for a good story. But, you know, this is... Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's interesting to see, especially if he wins that fight, like, maybe there's this trend with when he wins, for sure. I, I, I honestly think he'll win as well, just because of, the, the from MMA to kickboxing, the distant control is completely different. It's a completely different sport. And the amount of experience that it, Izzy has in the ring at that high level, I mean, you're kind of bringing him a bit too fast, I think. I mean, that's matchmakers or UFC. Oh, they love it. Yeah, I mean, they, that's, that's selling papers. It makes for a good story for Great. him and stuff. But, again, this is, these are the type of fights you want as a competitor, as, you know, as a yeah. coach and stuff. So, interesting. And, again, I don't know um, when that'll happen. Could be next, could be down the line. Again, I don't think Israel's in a position to where he can kind of do you see these champions like Izzy and Volkanovski? Like, uh, like Volkanovski, he's got to be 33, 34? 33, I believe. Do you, um, do you see them going like into their 36, 37? Or, do, or is that trend of champions like Khabib has set? I mean, he must have been only 31-ish. And leaving on top so you can play with your kids, you know, in 5, 10 years. Yeah. Like, do you see these guys actually? I don't, I don't know. I think... The boys know best when their their body tells them. You know that's uh, 
I guess when they start slowing down, that's a decision they'll make, you know. But I can tell you that I think they're not even in their primes yet, you know. Um, I think they both just keep getting better and better each fight from every aspect, you know. Striking, wrestling, IQ, um, all of it, you know. Izzy had a great performance. What Alex was able to do against Max Holloway, you know, was a 50-45 to 45 shutout, you know. Max is a tremendous competitor, tremendous fighter. Um, he's been around the sport a long time. Um, he's done a lot for the sport as well. But, you know, the way Alex did was able to do that in the third fight, you kind of, you know, you got to shut that and put that, you know, and, and um, fuck, man, whatever's next for him. Again, that's that's up yeah, to what, them, whether it's going up to, to challenge for the 55 belt. I don't know. You know, again, that's something that, the UFC and, and they'll all the management and the coaches they'll all tee that up and do what's best for, for, for Alex, you know, for his family. Yeah, and that I mean, there's not much the only person I guess in the way would be Islam Makachev. They're trying to set that up, but I think it's a much bigger fight bringing in Volkanovsky. But he and he announced that his his hand's broken, so he's out for what, six to eight weeks at least. He had said Bef something he had said something like that. So uh, when he was here I watched a little bit of him training, but it was more he was, you know, he's on vacation, he's helping out. But I talked to George, when he was on it, I'm like, oh, I thought, you know, I thought, um, I thought, uh, Volkanovsky, ah, I thought he lost the second fight. And then I went and watched it back. I'm like, there's something off. And then he finally, he came out to the media and said, yeah, they, they woke him up for a piss test in the middle of the night or something <laughs> crazy. The point of this question is more, holy shit. This third fight, there was just no question. As everyone knows, he was faster, quicker, and stronger. What do you attribute that to? His work ethic. His work ethic, man, he, he is uh, just the way he gets up every day and carries his business and goes about the day, training, um, how it carries over out of the cage. You know, he's just, he's always, like, trying to level up. He's always trying to get better, whether it's wrestling, whether it's uh, striking, whether it's footwork, whatever it is, cardio. He just is, he's always trying to push the boundaries. He's always trying to, like, kind of take his body to the next threshold to see to see where it goes to see what he's capable of and he just keeps i think surpassing you know what he what he thinks he's capable of man. He does he have like a secret sauce like so for example uh you listen to guys like john danaher talking john danaher studying boxing from the 60s that he can tr he's trying to find something out there that maybe no one knows about um volkanovsky when he's training and he's at the, you know uh he's at city kickboxing or he's coming down here or he's, he's a freestyle. Or it's, he's so high level, like, who can he learn from? Yeah. He can learn. Uh, I mean, I've seen Alex learn from a lot of people, man. You know, whether it's, again, like I said, whether it's the striking, the wrestling, the footwork. He's always trying to level up. He's, I've seen him hit pads, and then in between, or I see him do his, uh, like, an A-lactic, they do this work. He was doing this air don, and then he had a two-minute break because they do the intervals or whatever. So he, he went, and he was watching one of the boys hit pads, you know, for, for like a minute 45 for his break. He was just watching and like staring, just trying to pick up things. You know, he's always trying to improve, always trying to um, get better. So, yeah, man, my credit to him. The way he carries himself as a professional athlete is uh, something serious. Him and Israel both, you know. I think when you get to that point to what they're doing and how they're doing, how they're doing it, you have to be like solid in every aspect of your life, training, family, um, social life, you know, downtime, recovery, health, et cetera. And um, they do a very good job of it, you know. 
Yeah, this is exactly what Yuri Prohaska said on the podcast. He he wants to be a master of everything. And yes. then I kind of asked him, I'm like, so like in MMA, he's like, no. He's like, everything. I'm like, every. it could be drinking water. Yeah. He wants to master everything because then you have that type of balance. And um, I had uh, I had lunch, well, a small little snack with him over at, at, at the Ringside Cafe. Check it out. Fucking awesome food. Um, I'm obviously not eating it every day, but <laughs> I'm trying. Um <laughs> And I sat down with him, and his energy, man, this guy is like, he is a legit samurai. He's not a character, like, you know, you get these WWE Colby Covington characters. He's a legit fucking samurai. Yeah. And when you sit down with him and you talk to him, you can see how dialed in he is. You're, I'm not even on his, like, wavelength. It's somewhere else. Like, he's so dialed in. That guy, is, he's not going out. He's not partying. He's not drinking. He's not eating a chocolate bar at the 7-Eleven. Like, this doesn't even enter his mind. Like, this guy is so dialed in. And I think that's what you're seeing um, in these champions, this type of, like, lifestyle and mentality that carries on. Yeah. Uh, again, when you get to the, that certain point, you have to be, man, because your body's like a fine-tuned machine. <laughs> you know, you're going to put regular 91 gas or you're going to put, like, rocket fuel in it. Which one are you going to put in it? And when I say rocket fuel, I mean, like, proper nutrition, proper diet, et cetera. Um proper workouts, recovery, everything like that. That all plays into effect, man. It all comes back to full surface. So um, I think that's what you see. Um, and that, not just those two. Like you said, Yuri. You see it with Wei Lee. You yeah. may see it You see it with, I mean, I'm sure I'm missing somebody, but I have athletes that... Fiziv. Uh, we have athletes that come through that aren't to the level that they're at, but you see it out of them. Amateurs, you yeah, see you got, you got one guy at your gym, the Norwegian guy. Yeah. I'm watching him train, and like Jesus Christ, uh, Emil, <sighs> he's fucking scary, dude. Yeah, that guy is absolutely ripped coat. and just like Shredsville. shredded and like unlimited energy. Like, yeah. I, I was watching him. I, th I think did he break someone's jaw in your gym, or are we allowed that to I talk about know. that? I don't know. Um, I saw a picture of the guy. Anyways, yeah, I thought he ran into something. Could be off though. Yeah. Um, so let's talk. Let's talk more about. Let's chill. Bangtown Muay Thai and MMA. Um, what's next on the horizon for the gym? Are you guys going to be adding things to the facility? What can we expect to see in the next like year or so? We obviously want to add to the facility. We want to expand, but you don't want to rush into things, man. You don't want to like kind of put all your eggs in one basket before. Like you'll put. I think George was talking about maybe like like half an octagon. Are you planning to put in or again? That's. First time I've heard that, so oh, that's uh. I could have dreamt it. I don't know. Yeah, you could have. I really um, But yeah, that we we want to expand, man. If it keeps going the way it's going, it's it, it would be good to expand. But again, you don't want to like rush it. We want to make sure we go about it the right way. Take care of our people who who um, who work there and stuff like that to make sure, you know. Um, again, we want to like build that culture and stuff, and you don't want to jump to conclusions too fast. But we do want to expand. You know, that is the goal. You never want to stay. You always kind of want to keep growing if you can, you know, whether mm -hmm. it's in life, business. Um, so, yeah, those are our plans. And for you personally, like, the gym is new. That commitment of building a gym, it's like you kind of made a 20-year plan almost. Do you see yourself here for life? Life's a long time. Uh, forever's a long time. But, yeah, I, I see myself in Thailand for the foreseeable future. Um, my brother's here, his wife. I got, I got a niece. You know, I got a nephew on the way. Um, it's hard to not, it's hard to not like this place, you know. Rainy season can be shit sometimes, but it's still for the most part. It was sunny today, you know. And then high season obviously takes care of itself. Yeah. So, 
I do I do enjoy this this part of Thailand. I would never want to live in any other part of Thailand. I wouldn't want to live in Bangkok. God no. Two no, my, nights is my uh, my, my girlfriend's up there and like I, I was doing uh, I don't know. Every other weekend I would go and I'd go on a Thursday, come back on a Monday or whatever and stay up in Bangkok and man, it's, she's got a great condo and it's, you know, it's looking over I can see them in the river but like it feels like a jail cell. Yeah. Like you're in there and you're looking out, it's gorgeous but it's like the, the problem with Bangkok is like it's just too bloody hot between nine to five. So you, it's not like a walking city in that sense. It's yeah. just too hot. And when you go out there, what are you going to do? Eat or drink? Like there's, it's too, there's not, it's not that much to do. I know what you mean. Yeah. It's, it's, and then finally I told her, I said, I think we're going to break up <laughs> if I have to go back to that fucking place. Yeah. No, I didn't say it like that. But now, and she agreed as well. She's moving down here because, yeah, but it's, it's the lifestyle here, man. Like it's, it's like the day in the life for me is you get up. I mean, I'm eating clean. I'm working or right away at 9am. I come over and do hit, uh, kick my ass for about an hour, come back, shower, kind of work a bit more and go back to SNC at 5pm. And I mean, by the time I eat dinner and wind down, you crash at 9pm. You don't get this lifestyle like back, definitely not back in Canada. I don't know about the U S <sighs> but you know, it's it's a completely different mentality and, and like that aspect of living in Thailand I find keeps you very like grounded and centered. Like the world could be coming to an end and I'd still be happy staying here. Yeah. I agree with that. When I lived in Atlanta I worked in the car business, man, it was some rough hours and I, I couldn't tell you the last time I had like a Saturday off, you know. Sundays you work half a day, you go in at twelve to six. But still it's never twelve to six. It's always like a bit early, and you're always staying late. So, um, much different lifestyle. And to be fair, when I first moved here, I was going to gap it after like seven, eight months because it was too slow for me. Yeah. I was used to the hustle and bustle. I was used to fucking just like the, the car lot, running to and from for my customers, running my car to detail, delivering the car, Flying to the gas station, filling it up, coming back, doing the paperwork. I was always like, by the time I looked down, it was 8, 8, 8.30. We were closing at 9. And that's how it was for several years. So when I came here, it was a complete 180, man. And it was like, fuck, this is boring. But, again, I, because what I was trying to do was keep up with everybody in the States. I was trying to, like, message them all, chat to them all. It's a 12-hour time difference. Like, fuck, how long is that going to last? And then once I've realized and figured out, oh, bro, you got to. So now, you know, I have several of my buddies who eventually visit me, visit me, excuse me. But, like, you find out real quick, like, oh, who's going to come visit you? My parents have been out here a couple of times. Well, it's far, it's far too. That's yeah. It problem. is a it is a hike. I understand it's, that. It's and a, not only that, it's not like Mexico where you can go for a week. When you kind of come here, you gotta you're committed to two. Ten days, ten to At fourteen least. days. You have yeah, to. yeah, ten to fourteen. So it's not so easy, and and that's the big problem in places like Canada and the U.S. Our time off and vacation time is the worst in the entire world. Yeah. It's like you get ten days for the whole year at most, you know, jobs and whatnot. Yeah. What, if, if you were to look back at like 2017, Frank, when you first came over to Thailand, were you, did you? From that experience, you know, it's a bit more high strung. Did that kind of energy carry over to you when you were here? Or have you slowly transitioned into someone that's like much more grounded now? Uh, I've always been pretty grounded. I've just, I just got bad ADHD. So I'm always like fucking on the go. I'm always doing something. I can't sit still for too long. Everybody knows it too. Like even people I first meet, they're like, 
fuck, man, you got, you can't sit still. I'm just like, all right. I'm always looking for what's next. What am I doing next? Mm. ADHD. So um, I've learned to like to deal with it for a bit. Like I've learned to, especially over here. That's why this gym, that's why I love the gym because I'm just always there. I'm there 7.45, 7.30 in the morning. I got the electric blower going on. Blow off the MMA area. Blow out the SNC area. Chat to people. Um, get a coffee in me. Hey, shake hands, blah, blah, blah. You know, again, chat to people. Do the class or do the privates or whoever has a fight, come and help them. A um, little bit of a break, shower, eat lunch, still at the gym. And then I'm there until I teach again at four, but, like, I'm just. And then after I'll shower, come back because I live right around the corner from it. So it just keeps me, it's just, it's just keeping me busy. And then if I'm not here, I'm, tra- I'm usually in Auckland or helping one of the boys. Then it's fight week, then it's back. And once I get back, I'm right back into it again. Like, I just jump right into it, hit, you know, hit the ground running, get back to it, and then repeat. So then what are you doing on your leisure time, like, when the gym is basically closed on a Sunday? How do you I'll keep go, busy? Are you going? I'll go get a massage. I'll try to get a massage every now and then, two-hour, treat myself, get a two-hour massage, maybe see what movie's playing. I don't mind a good movie. Um, go, go down to the beach, um, maybe, like, drive up. Check out like a different area, like the Lang, something like that. Did I say that right? Talang, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Talang. Um, go see like the, the food spots around here. There's a lot of good food spots. Um, again, try to stay busy. You know, try to take the yeah, school actually, off for a bit. Talang has a really, one of the best massages uh, on in this area. Yeah? Uh, it's like you go, it's called Talang Massage. Um, there, I, I knew because I used to train Muay Thai up in that area and our, it was a really old trainer. He owns a gym called Surakit. Um, it's just him. It's, it's gotta be like 50 and his son, but they've been here for like 40 years. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the Muay Thai fighters go to Talang massage. It's pretty much like if you rip up Pasak and you're about to hit that highway light and there's a gym up there called power gym, I think. Um, in that little plaza right there, um, you would get to the, I think it's the 402, but there's a light there. If you go left, you're going to the airport, but right in that little plaza, there's a massage place there called Talang Massage. You know, it's good because the ladies are like yay high with like, you know, hands the size of Yuri's and like, they will destroy you. Like it's at proper, proper sports yeah. massage. Yeah. They'll fuck I'm you I'm about to get this place a go. I've never, yeah, it's I've just never type it, type in Talang Massage. Uh, you got to book in advance. They're always packed. Like the business is booming. Their business is always booming. Like, yeah. and it's it, a lot of these massages in Thailand. I'll never get it because like you'll go into that sports massage there and she'll be like absolutely destroying you and be like, just relax. I'm like, how do I relax? You got a fucking elbow in my spine. Like, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes they get carried away. Oh my God. And they love it. They're laughing at you. And like, you're I think su- it's a joke to them. It's a game. You're, <laughs> you're sweating. You're screaming. You're biting your lip. I used like, to go to my girl nudie. This girl mm. down on the soy. Um, Nudie and then this other lady named, we called her mama. She ran the spot. I would go to those two. But now, uh, I've been back to the soy once to go see Nudie. And that was it. That's the last time I've been. It's there. far, and you got the rain. Are you just on the motorbike most of the time? Just on the scooter. Yeah. yeah. Same. I got I got a car outside. Not everybody has that luxury out here, big fella, of having oh. a car. No, I don't. I don't use it. is going great. Okay. Business is good. This is not monetized this at guy's all. Serious. He's, we're, we're, I'm he's paying, now he's throwing a car in my face. I'm, yeah, I'm paying Hans. I'm losing money on this podcast. I've seen that 350. You're sitting out there driving. So no, no, no. That's uh, um, what do I? I got like an old Volvo. I renovated Volvo. 
got it down from Chiang Mai. Mm-hmm. It was nothing. I was like, uh, it's cheap. But yeah, I mean, it's I literally use it for groceries if it's raining. Or if I have to pick someone up at the airport. I mean, the motorbike is just much easier around Thailand. So much so. more convenient. You know, it really, <laughs> motorbike is very, very convenient around here, especially when you're going to and from the gym. You're just like kind of ripping through and try to drive safe. Obviously, you know, don't do anything stupid, but just wear your just, helmet. Yeah, it's just convenient, man. It's just kind of. Yeah, especially when you got to do U turns, turn around, park. I mean, you know. You're going to this after I got to go grab water at the 7-Eleven. I'm going to grab four jugs of those six liters, but I'm going to put it on my scooter. I don't yeah. want to go into my car, turn the thing around, try to, you know, and traffic's building up now. Phuket's definitely coming to life. Um, and being able to like park and turn around, it's a, it's a bloody nightmare. Yeah. yeah it's just not, not for me. Um, do you, are you enjoying this area though? I mean, I do. I like this area. It's new to me. It's yeah. something new, something different. What are some of the, the, Better restaurants you've been to around here? Little Paris is a good little spot. Yeah. Bartles. What Bartles? is that? Bartles? Sandwich spot. Oh, Bartles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Bartles is good. Yeah, yeah. The Irish is good. Um, there's some cool little restaurants in through there that I've that I've tried. There's a couple. There was a there's a Georgian spot. Yeah, I saw. I haven't been out there. It's in the back. Yep. Yeah. Good little spot. It's good. I saw yeah, they good. got those like pierogies or dumpling looking things. There's a faux spot near it. It's good as well. Yeah, but to the right. Yes, faux yeah. spot as well. That's good. I like it because you can order from one or the other and go eat at one or the other. Yeah. yeah? I feel like oh. they're on the same system. They got a little something going. Oh, oh, so, you, so you can kind of like sit at the Georgia. You can mix and match. Oh, there yes. we go. Which is good. That's a life um, hack, yeah. There is some 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 good restaurants up here, food spots. There's a couple good spots at the beach too, like little kind of hidden gyms where you can sit on the beach on like a nice couch or chairs and a table and at like uh, be- y- Beach Pig Bengtao area. I'm 20 yards from the sand. Yeah. This yeah. is incredible. Yeah, I, uh, this spot on the uh, Sarin Audis, it's right on the beach. Mm-hmm. I'll check them out. Just Thai. Are you eating Thai food quite often? I love Thai food. Yeah. I really do. I try to, green curry. But the, see, I, I've been trying to avoid it a little bit just because of the sugars and like all the sauces they're throwing in there. I don't know. I'm guessing you're working out so much you don't get a problem. I mean, if I'm in Thailand, man, I'm going to eat the Thai food. Yeah. I've always I like I like the spiciness of it. You know what's good? There's a place. So you said the Georgia place, right? To the left, there's a place called Prod Pan. It's Thai, but they make the best ribs on the island. Yeah. Oh man, unreal. Prod Pan. Prod what Pan. about wings? You know any good wing spots besides the Hooters and Phuket? Or <laughs> no, not around here. No, we got a smoked meat house. That's a it's a Thai smoked meat house. It's like past Blue Tree. You're gonna have to. I don't. There's you know these places. You don't know the fucking names. So it's like kind of past Blue Tree, past the light, and maybe probably still another kilometer up the road. Um, Kind of near, there's like a gas station up there, way up on the right. You know what I'm talking about so far? It's like... Vaguely. You know Blue Tree? Yep. Okay, so maybe another kilometer up the road. Just type it in on Google. You go in... George knows where it is. Pardon? George knows... George knows? knows? Yeah. Oh, it's like... He commented on my story when I ate there. Ah, okay. It's a legit smokehouse and like yeah it's it's good it's, yeah it's decent like sausages and yeah. fucking ribs and yeah it's um when you're dieting jesus christ I'm it's like, not good for your hair. i'm just thinking about everything now um but yeah and then po- uh, bocaccino oh the japanese barbecue place in boat avenue is really really good as well i need to give that a go yes. i tried the mexican the spanish i guess the mexican spot the other night um, like the little tuesday so it was yeah the, it was the taco tuesday taco tuesday yeah. I had several of them. Man, really good. Yeah, that's the, the thing about Phuket that 
I think a lot of people don't understand is when you come here, the variety, you have everything out here. It's, you know, it's you not really just... You really do, man. You got Thai food, you got Western food. <laughs> little Paris is a phenomenal little restaurant, man. Yeah. But not just that. There's so many other... Beach Cuisine is right up the road from Bangtown. It was another good spot. Yeah. Cafe de Mar is 10, 10 to 12 minutes. Scooter Ride, no more. 10, 12 minutes. Then you got Carpe Diem, which is that little spot right there, which is awesome. Then you got Catch Beach Club. Yeah. And then next to Catch Beach Club, they got good stuff. You can really find some good stuff. You can go down to um, Easy Bar, and they'll make you they'll make you a fish. They'll make you Lob Guy. They'll make you Som Tom. They'll make you all that shit. And it's really, really good Thai food. So a lot of these places that you go to, even in these little bars, if you just ask them for food, they'll make you food. So you're always finding different spots. You know, there's a lot of, there's a spot I go to for chicken and rice. There's a spot I go to for um, the sumtom. I believe it's sumtom. Some, the papaya salad. Papaya salad. Yeah. It's like the Isan version. There's like oh, several sh- different, they got that spicy corn in there, they chuck it in. You ever have the ones where they toss in the <laughs> raw shrimp? I've had that. Yeah, I like sumtom. There's one right here. Okay, so there's a good sometime right here. Just go to the road, turn left, 100 meters on the right. It's called, it's, it It looks blue, and it's got a, like, a fishing ship on the front. Sure. Fuck, man. They make amazing sometime with, like, raw uh, shrimp and, like, raw squid. And, like, it's legit. Like, if you go in, you're like, oh, you got the raw shrimp. They're like, yeah, one minute. And they'll go out to the market and get it and bring it back. That's great. And you're like, holy shit, man. That's f- absolutely phenomenal. Um. Oh, you're looking at your, are you looking at me on the screen? I was just checking it out how it switches back and forth. Oh, that's he's got the he's got a little switcher over there. Okay. So that after when we're done filming, we don't need to edit it. It's done. Yeah. We just one take. Yeah, one take, baby. Hopefully, Hans. We haven't broke it yet. We're still rolling well. Um, now you got Jongwei lead training. I, I've been doing some translations for her. Maybe not the best. <laughs> hey, Fuck come on. Dro- I'll, I was hey, trying. you dropped the ball on that one. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I heard you. Not only were you extremely loud and like. Oh, it was good. It was good. I saw her face, and she was just like this. And I was just like, after about seven minutes, the translations, which, by the way, I greatly appreciate it. It's the thought that counts. Yeah, we tried. I looked at her, and I go, I got you. Like, just, and she was like, oh, okay. I, I could see it was a bit of a relief because, man, when you were spitting it at her, you were, but you were, you were spot on, you know, because I, I speak a bit of Chinese. So I, I was, I was like, how the hell do you speak Chinese? I don't. Get the fuck out of here. I don't speak it. But <laughs> I saw I was picking I was watching her eyes like process what was going on and she and you were you were doing well I've done it a few times for her now no she she got it uh, most of the times sometimes some of them can be complicated I'm like fuck I don't even know how to translate this so what we're gonna do is we're gonna cut the camera back to Frank and he's going to let you know where you can find him in terms of like Instagram YouTube and where the gym's at so without further ado. Yeah, GIFI910 is my Insta, but obviously the more important one is Bangtao, Muay Thai and MMA. Um, that's where you can find us on the socials for Instagram, Bangtao, Muay Thai and MMA. We got everything you need from Muay Thai, MMA, grappling, wrestling, jiu-jitsu, all the way up to SNC, cardio, strength-based, um, phenomenal facility. We got showers that you can change into before and after, shower up, and then grab a feed at Ringside Cafe which is located right there in the middle of everything. So come on down. And r- right near the beach, right near all of great... You yeah. can't beat it. We're 200 yeah. yards from the sand, Yeah, realistically. Um, 500 yards if you go left. we got a mini putt place across the street if you want to test your skill. Everything's halal in the area. 
you know, we got a great community. So who's the who's one the mini putt champ right now? I mean, I don't think we've played yet. You got to do think, a tournament or something. Oh, I reckon. I think we'll get around to it. But um, I got like fifty games under my belt at that yeah, course. You're you, all in trouble. Have you played several times? Oh man, I've lived here six years. That's right. Yeah, I know that course like the back of my hand. Okay, um. We are about to wrap this up. This is episode 52, I'm guessing. Oh, well, um, Thanks a lot for tuning in. Don't forget to like and subscribe and smash that bell. Yeah.